we definitely got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. I'm sitting there in a rocking chair crying, holding my baby while my two-year-old's sitting there playing on the floor and I'm trying so hard. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying so hard not to let him realize yeah. that I'm crying. Yeah. That was the moment I was like, F this. This isn't what I set out to do. Like, what am I doing? What have I done? What? How have I gotten here? Like, all those thoughts start to go through your head. Do you feel like a circus performer, frantically juggling motherhood, business, and personal finances? Our guest, Virginia Elder, has lived this struggle. She joined me at FinCon 2023 to share her story. While raising infants, coping with family crises, and working full-time, this entrepreneur, mompreneur, and founder of Podcast Abundance accumulated over $80,000 in debt. Her rock-bottom breaking point became the catalyst to completely transform her money mindset. Virginia's story provides a roadmap for moms on how to master finances while succeeding as a mompreneur and as a parent. Learn Virginia's tips on overcoming financial shame, setting boundaries, making tough choices, while successfully balancing business, motherhood, and money. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is another episode of Money You Should Ask, where we explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. Virginia, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, I have to apologize. The video might not be great because we sort of got bummed from our space. <laughs> and uh, here we are in the big center stage. That is super exciting. All right. So I'm going to ask you, so take us back to 2014 when you started listening to personal finance podcasts. Yeah. It's been a little bit. What was going on in your life that led you down that path? And what was your financial situation and your mindset mm. back in 2014? Okay, so in 2014, my son was two, and I had just had my daughter. So newborn and a two-year-old, kind of a stressful life situation. But on top of that, we were supporting my mom through her divorce from my dad. Mm. So not a great situation. Family definitely was falling apart there. One big thing that I didn't know at that time was, you know, when you want to help somebody out, Maybe draw a line at the point at which you're going to help them. Boundaries. So, you know, just trying to do the right thing. I'm like, Mom, you know, we're going to take care of this. We're going to help you through all this. So we ended up fully funding her divorce, which I'm sure you can imagine mm. did not put us in a great financial situation. Plus, new babies, daycare costs. I'm trying to work full time, trying to go back to work. There was a lot of emotional drama, but also financial drama yeah. going on right there. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. What did you decide to do then and there? Like mm -hmm. with all this going on, mm -hmm. you had to, something had to change. Definitely. So we got to the point where, um, you know, of course, sequence of events happens and you start to cover costs on a card and you know, the transmission in this old vehicle that you purchased blows, so you don't have any disposable cash, but you can take 500 bucks and put that down on a new car. Right. And it, just all of these things happened, and suddenly we had $80,000 in debt, credit cards, and a car, and then plus our house. At that point, you add up all the minimum payments that you owe, and they were literally thousands of dollars a month. Like I have no idea how we did it. 
like oh, like we were dying before we knew mm. we were dying mm. and uh we definitely got to a point where i couldn't do it anymore i'm sitting there in a rocking chair crying holding my baby while my two-year-old's sitting there playing on the floor and i'm trying so hard i'm gonna get emotional <laughs> sorry um trying so hard not to let him realize yeah that i'm crying yeah that was the moment i was like f this this isn't what my kids deserve. This isn't what we deserve. This isn't what I set out to do. Like, what am I doing? What have I done? What? How have I gotten here? Like, all those thoughts start to go through your head. So it was in that moment where I decided, okay, some credit cards are going to get some phone calls. We are going to keep the house. We are going to pay the electricity. We're going to pay for food. You know, we have xyz formula and just all these you know i'm, I'm doing inventory literally right. in my head what do we have what do we need how long can these things last in that same moment i don't remember the number anymore for a long time i did but we had very little cash in our checking account and i knew my husband wouldn't get a paycheck for another two weeks mm. and so i'm just sitting there thinking and that was just pretty much it like i drew the line and said shut down everything Basically, don't spend another dime unless we know exactly what it's for. I mean, it has to be for a necessity. Yeah. Started calling credit cards and telling them the situation and asking for help and dove into personal finance podcasts at that point. It was just really like full action mode. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing else I could do. Sitting there wasn't going to help. And we both already worked full time. I was concerned at that point about this affecting the kids mm -hmm. because I know children develop their money mindset by the age of seven. Yeah. And so I was immediately like, okay, that didn't go so well for me. I definitely know my husband has his own set of internal money beliefs that he's brought from childhood and crap, we're doing it to them too. So that was the just the launch of a complete shift in the way we act and live and do things. I mean, I. That's a lot. It's <laughs> Sorry. A lot. No, no. But he, so here's the thing, and this is for the listeners to understand, right? As parents, even our parents, mm -hmm. your parents, everybody goes with the best intentions. Yeah. Like they do. Yeah. And, you know, I thought my parents had it all together. Mm -hmm. No idea that they had nothing together at all. And I remember when they didn't have money and the electricity got cut off. Uh, there's a reason for up until very recently, I made sure there always was a fireplace in the house because we would cook hot dogs in the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that'll work. That'll work. So I get yeah. when the two weeks isn't going to get you through. And I think a lot of people have been there. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's a lot because you're probably mm -hmm. judging yourself. The bad whole time. parenting, bad, <laughs> right? And it, it's, a, it's a really hard space to be. Yeah, and the questions just flood. <laughs> you know, what have I done? How are we doing this? Why, how did we get here? Oh my God, how could I let this happen? And you're sitting there thinking, well, we have to pay for daycare because I have to go to work and they have to go somewhere. We have to have diapers. You have to have formula. Like all of those things. Uh, and I think back then we still had you know, cable and things like that. So you're right. like, cut the cable, do this, you know, let's switch phone providers, anything that we could do to save a dime. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, take all the action, full panic mode. 
And some of the help that I found was personal finance podcasts. So if I could have stumbled upon your show back then, that would have been great. But but that's what it was. I was literally getting advice from other people that had also found themselves in a rough situation. And then now we're educating people much like you do. So And I think it's so important to be able to hear other people share the stories mm-hmm. helps us know we're not alone in this. And you're not dumb and, and there's nothing wrong with you. And it happens. Yes. It happens to good people. And so then you decided to start a podcast. 2019 you're like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna share so what were you thinking and what was your business planning process so there was um from 2014 fast forward to 2019 we worked really hard um got debt free in that time so yay and then from there here i am listening to these personal finance podcasts and getting debt free is only like a piece of it right? right then you're starting to learn about investing and what you should be doing over there and and starting to really look at the numbers and how does this project out and and how do I turn this whole thing around and create something that not only wasn't provided to me as far as like wealth or anything like that, but how can I change that path for my kids? So not only how can we invest well, but how can I start talking about it well with my kids from a positive perspective? So in 2019, the the process really was started in 2018. I wanted to help other moms who were yep. in the same situation because I found that most personal finance content was by men and often for men. Right. Nobody talked about daycare costs. Nobody talked about, should you have a Costco card for diapers? Is that really worth it? Or is there a better way to find that? You know, minute, are you telling me <laughs> women have financial problems too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. And that was the idea was, okay, I'm a mom. I want to help solve this for moms. And then the other piece of that was for women who kind of haphazardly find themselves in charge of the family finances. Right. My husband is great with money, but he does not want to do it. Mm -hmm. And he's very conservative with money. So if he was in charge, we would be eating hot dogs and ramen like every night because that's what's cheap. And I'm like, no, 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 honey, we're not going to do that. So uh, a little bit of the scarcity situation there. And I want to live a good life with the kids and be doing the right actions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start to help other moms in that way. Started um, coaching other moms to help them get debt free. And I launched the podcast. Back then, um, it was reaching abundance. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was, you know, talk us through the steps to take, how to get debt-free, how to get out of the situation. And I knew eventually I would want to take them into investing and, and follow the path that right. I had gone on. And so that was that was the idea. There really wasn't a deep business plan. Okay. I didn't hire like some amazing consultant. It was very fly by the seat of my it pants. I'm going to make $2 million, <laughs> you're three. It was just yeah. I like, just I want to help. Yeah, I, I want to help. help. And then the other thought was I want to be home with the kids. I want to be around so that I can help them. Which is noble, which is like, yeah, connection, family. The whole point we're here sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. What were the highs and lows of those 30 months? I mean, the three months Mm -hmm. of the ups and downs, like that was the best. That was the worst. Uh, Really enjoyed the coordination and launch process of it and kind of the puzzle piece, putting all those puzzle pieces together. 
that makes sense because I have this audit background where I was looking at invoices and checking out sales tax. And, you know, so that's a whole puzzle in itself with sales tax law. And I didn't really realize that that was my strength at the time. But I loved launching the podcast and helping moms. The struggle that I found was a lot of times while the moms were in charge of the family finances, maybe they didn't have access to capital to invest and into a coach or even invest in the market. So any of those conversations were a struggle and that was a frustrating piece to me. Yep. A couple ups and downs there for you. How did you know that it was time to move on to something different? Like you pivoted, was it despair? Was it, you know, it's time? Like, Mm. how did you know? What was that moment? That was really a haphazard situation, actually. These things just started. (laughs) Life unfolds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There really wasn't a plan. I wish I had a better, like, amazing planning story for you. So I actually. She knew everything (laughs) ahead of time and had had a master plan. No No. master plan. Most of us don't have a master plan. Not at all. (laughs) I launched the personal finance podcast actually right before coming to FinCon that year in 2019, thinking, okay, now I can actually go to FinCon and I'm a real creator. I'm a podcaster. I can go and like actually have a platform. And so I was excited to approach FinCon as a creator and not just a fan of the personal finance space because it had helped me. At FinCon that year, a couple of financial advisors heard that I had launched my own show and with no question about like, what'd you do? Or let me hear your show or anything like that. They said, oh, you should launch our show. (laughs) I was like, wait, but I don't have pricing. This isn't a business. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And so it just, it just happened. Um, We had a really good connection with them and I had to assign pricing. I had to figure out what I was doing so that I could help them with what they needed. And then within two months later, another person came along, very much the same, another financial advisor. And I very quickly saw, okay, there is a need for this. Okay, the financial coaching piece is a little bit slow. This seems kind of hot. So let me just go this way and I can not be the creator, but I can be in the background helping the creators go forward. So that kind of worked out. Yeah, and I, I want to come back to that. We okay. are um, we're actually going to take a moment to test your nerve. Test your nerve is brought to you by themoneynerve.com. And to the listeners out there, if you want to test your nerve and uncover the dirty truth about your finances, visit testyournerve.com and take our free quiz. All right, so here we go. Down and dirty. Okay. Let's see what's up. Debt or savings? What's more dangerous? Debt. I think. <laughs> I've lived that story. I'm done with that. Wine or coffee, fuel of choice as an entrepreneur or as a mompreneur? Ooh, well, coffee in the morning and then wine after five. <laughs> right? I, I can that works. That works. What's a bigger mess by nighttime, inbox or toy box? Definitely toy box. <laughs> inbox is clean because I worked all day. <laughs> what superpower do you tap into the most uh, as a mom? Maybe like a coach of some sort, Uh, whether it be the ball coach Mm -hmm. or the emotional coach. Yeah. I think kids need a lot of guidance in that way. Well, and I would say my kids in particular, I'm focused on that because I don't feel like we got that as kids. Yeah. 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 No, totally. What's on repeat in your headphones? Podcasts or kids songs? 
definitely podcast and my <laughs> headphones. Now, if it's playing out loud, I mean, the kids are always saying like, Alexa, play, whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing? Um, is it harder to say no to snooze button or play date? I think the snooze button is really hard to say no to. Okay. <laughs> so going back to what you were saying, you know, it's interesting. You said, you know, I realized that there's more money to be made or I can be more successful in supporting other people mm-hmm. doing their thing. And I'm wondering, because this happens for a lot of people, and I think this is true for me, where at a certain point I said, when I was doing stand-up, okay, I do much better financially doing the taxes and then also helping out the comedy store mm-hmm. as as the CFO and eh, sort of not getting to do my comedy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, did it feel like a compromise? Did it feel like letting go of something or did it feel like, you know, this is actually, this makes sense for me. I'm good with this. A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, I mean, I don't know if that old show is still up because uh, I did stop paying for hosting, I think, last <laughs> year. But I kept it all this time. Yeah. I kept that show since 2019 and I just keep kept paying for hosting. I don't know if I just thought I would pick it back up or I let it go, but I didn't really let it go. Right. So that's a little bit of a compromise there. But I also figured out what I mentioned earlier about enjoying putting together that puzzle for people. Yeah. And I didn't, I couldn't have articulated that in my corporate days. I just was the sales tax auditor. Right. I just, that's what I did. And I look at invoices all day and people would say, oh, that's so boring. And I'm like, well, I enjoy it. <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't have told you what piece of that I enjoyed the most. It was yeah. just me putting together that puzzle. And I understand yeah. that now. And that's what I do now in the background in many ways of life, right? So yeah. even for the kids when there's soccer schedules and basketball schedules mm-hmm. and whatever, I'm like, all right, let me master this thing. I don't think I could have known that back then, but it was definitely, I think, a little bit of both. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're here at FinCon mm-hmm. and there's lots of content creators and the people that are definitely going to make the money are teaching people how to edit a podcast, how to record a podcast, which camera to buy, selling the camera, right? And so all the, and it's true in the entertainment world, the people consistently making the money, the managers, yeah. the people recording the videos of the auditions and the people that are, no, I want to create, I want to create are sometimes at the mercy of other people controlling their dreams. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just an interesting observation, not good or bad. Yeah. Just of you know the support system mm-hmm. to those dreams often is the one that continues to make money because there's always somebody with a dream. Right. And when this one moves on, somebody else fills the spot. Right. And I will say I think now I've thought about starting a different podcast mm-hmm. with a very different perspective Mm -hmm. but yeah so it's like i'm i'm balancing that creator space with that support space so i definitely want to remain supportive of the creation right but then i want to be a little bit creative too so it's it's a balance Uh it's probably going to be mommy you should ask (laughs) (laughs) somebody go get that dot com get that dot com mommy you should i'm gonna it's too close it's too close it's too close (laughs) I'm going to switch a little bit and, mm-hmm. and go a little more to the present or maybe the past. Can you talk to us about a time where you had to make a difficult financial decision in your business? Like what was the situation and, and how did you think it through? I think a 
a tough financial decision as far as like on the growth side of things. Mm -hmm. A lot of small businesses I think face are like the financial piece of it. So when to hire a bookkeeper, when to hire a CPA, when to do all of those things. Yeah. And they all, always, any big business expense feels daunting. And then once you've done it, you're like, oh, well, clearly I would do this every year, of course. The initial switch from doing that stuff myself to saying like, okay, I need a bookkeeper now. Okay, we need a CPA now. And those steps felt like really big girl steps for me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I never forgotten this comment of a family friend because people would always say to her, you own a business, you own a hotel. That's so glamorous. And she would say, no, that just means I clean the toilets mm -hmm. because as the business owner, yeah. as the entrepreneur, you're the one left holding the bag, yeah. no matter what it is, good, bad, indifferent. You're the one that gets to clean up any of the messes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot in this space, a lot of what I depend on are contractors. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten all kinds of comments back of like, oh, wow, like, how do you find good contractors? I've had the worst luck with contractors, whatever. And I've actually found really great contractors and they've been with me for three years. Part of that, I think, is establishing that relationship up front when mm -hmm. we do our first project together. Whether they do a good or bad job, they get paid on that first job. My husband thinks I'm crazy and he's like, don't pay that. That's terrible work, you know? And I'm like, no, no, this is my thing. This is how I want to run it. Yeah. So that sometimes is a tough decision to, yeah. to pay someone, but then to say, you know, this isn't really a good fit. Yeah. We never like to have those conversations. No. <laughs> Tell us about the ups and downs of being a mompreneur mm -hmm. and balancing family and growing your business over the years. Mm -hmm. Like your honest thoughts. It's tough. It's really tough. That's like the biggest honest thought. Something that has really helped me has been time blocking and marking my calendar off after 2 p.m. Nobody can book an appointment with me after 2 p.m. Oh, okay. So I think a lot of business owners would be like, holy crap, Like, how do you do that? And I didn't do that for a couple years. And I found myself feeling guilty because I knew the kids were already home from school. But yet I'm on a call and I can't go out there and say hi and even greet them right. and, and ask how their day was because I'm back here working. So again, where are my priorities? Why did I start this business? To be home with them. So what are we doing here? Right. So then, you know, drawing those boundaries and even still I've tightened up the, the schedule even more and I don't take appointments on Mondays or Fridays. Okay. I only talk to people Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because for me, energetically, it's important to interact with people when I have good energy. Mm -hmm. If I want to wear a hoodie and no makeup and I feel grumpy, we shouldn't be on a call together. Right. <laughs> so, so I can do that on Mondays and Fridays and not feel guilty about it and then turn it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So time blocking has been really important. And then the other thing is just, honestly, the kids are getting a little bit older. They're nine and 11 now. So they understand, okay, like, let, and I'll see my son, like, gently shut my office door sometimes because he realizes I'm on a call and he wants to shoot his basketball in the hallway or something. And that really helps for them to understand mommy's working. This is our income. It's important and be respectful of that. So I think the age is very is helpful helping. there. So taking it back to boundaries, mm -hmm. you, we started off talking about boundaries mm. with your mom. Yes. Right? Yes. And now Good you're talking point. about boundaries with the kids and setting those boundaries for yourself. I'm curious, 
in this period of time from when you funded your mom's divorce mm -hmm. to now, how was the relationship with your mom afterwards? Mm -hmm. And how has boundary setting occurred with parents as well as clients and with kids? Yeah, that's good. That's a loaded question. <laughs> so honestly, my mom and I have always had a strange relationship. During my teenage years, I well, I guess even going further back, I was always daddy's girl. Um, I'm the oldest of three kids, and for whatever reason, he and I always connected well. So the divorce was tough for me because the reason I chose to support her through it was because I completely disagreed with his actions. Mm -hmm. And so it was this big shift for me through adult eyes, looking at who I thought he was mm. and, and realizing that's a different person. Yep. It was very, you know, the rose-colored glasses. Oh, it's always hard. So that shift for me uh, with my mom was more of like, as a woman, you need access to your own savings, to your own mm -hmm. money. This stuff happens every day in all relationships. Yeah. So it's not just woman, man, anything like that, but just each partner should have their own access to some funds. Yeah, agreed. Just in case, right? And you don't want to go into any marriage thinking that, and they definitely didn't, and she never thought that. So that was my the reason I chose to support her and, and sure, that lacked a lot of boundaries. Uh, as far as boundaries with time, I think I've done a great job with that. And a big piece of that is the personal development side that kind of comes with entrepreneurship naturally. With kids, as far as boundaries, we've done a good job of explaining to them that you want people in your life that make you feel good about yourself, that help you toward your goals that support you. And that comes into play in the elementary years because a lot of times they're learning about bullying and they're learning about just why did this person say that or right. just little silly little things that elementary kids do, but we're able to help explain it from like a bigger perspective. Like, right. is this person normally nice to you or was this just like a one-time thing? Okay, you know, how often do they make you feel this way? And so we're trying to instill those boundaries in them, like in a more natural way, instead of them having to learn those boundaries when they're like 30 years old. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Where do you see yourself in five years? I have no idea. <laughs> we're just going <laughs> to see where it unfolds. So this is interesting because I was talking to someone else here about this um, here at FinCon, which I love coming here because then you get all these other entrepreneurs mm -hmm. together and, and we're able to talk about mindset and all these great topics. I can see two years out pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm working toward getting on more stages. I know I have a book in the back of my brain that I want to start writing. I know I've got my own podcast that I want to mm -hmm. launch with that fresh perspective I was telling you about. So I can see certain pieces of it and I see how that attracts clients into my business. And so I can see that, but I can't see past that. Okay. So... Yeah, we'll see. We'll but see. the industry is always changing. There's fresh AI and everything coming out. So always, I don't know something new. Always, yeah. always. Well, we're at the Eminem moment, our sweet spot, money and motivation. I'm wondering if you have a practical tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you can share with our listeners. So I think the biggest thing that shifted our financial picture was investing every time mm -hmm. you get paid whether that's 1%, 10%, 20%, whatever you can do, wherever you are, 
every paycheck, every time you receive money, if you sell some clothes out of your closet, you get 200 bucks, invest a piece of that. Right. That's the biggest thing that shifted things for us. And I, I didn't know to do that before. I thought investing was something you did when you were rich. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that changed everything. Consistency, even mm. if it's a buck. Yeah. Consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. And we started there. We started with 1%, you know, into my 401k. Yeah. And I thought, well, what are we going to do without that 1%? But it worked. It worked. Yeah. It worked. We survived without 1%. Exactly. And then later I was able to push that up. So start somewhere. You can make it work. Well, I love that. And so really my takeaway is a couple of things is trusting. There's a, there's a lot of trust there that it's who knows how it's going to happen and how whatever, mm -hmm. but there's a, there's some trust in the universe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's going to make that work. And the other thing I think that's really important, even though it's subtle, it was making a decision. Like when everything was not looking good, right. making that decision of, I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at everything. I'm going to reach out to people. I'm going to put my pride aside. I'm going to put my ego aside. Yeah. And I'm going to do what needs to be done. And I think often for many people, ego keeps us from actually making the choices that actually best serve us in those tough situations. Like I just so relate to that of being in those spots and saying, this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. It's not pretty. I'm a little humiliated. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. And even recognizing that, okay, maybe I didn't set some boundaries, learning to set those boundaries with whoever it is, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends, whether it's with clients, whether it's with children. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that we can do in service to ourselves and others is setting boundaries. And I wish I knew that advice like <laughs> way long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. But that's how it is, right? Like that's... you make the mistakes and then you hear the advice. You're like, I could have used that. <sighs> That piece, that piece. <laughs> Good. Virginia, where can people find you online and social media and they can learn more about you and your upcoming eventual book <laughs> and new podcast? Thank you. I'm at podcastabundance.com and on Instagram at podcastabundance. Thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to hearing this out in the universe. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. This Thank is great. That's all we have time for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the conversation. Before we go, I want to invite you to begin exploring your own money story. My book, The Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions of Money, is available now for just $1. What if $1 could change your financial future? Visit dollarbookdeal.com or click on the link in the show notes to get your copy today. This has been Money You Should Ask. Join me next week as we dive deeper into transforming our money stories and mindsets. Until then... Nurture your money nerve and think about what new money story you want to write.